hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I, I remember uh, years ago, I think it was Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Is that correct? Uh, if you don't remember that, that tells you how long ago it was. There was a cat on there named Ty. He had a whole team. How many of you remember this show? Okay, very well. At the end of that show, I can't remember a time where I wasn't crying about what had happened. You're like, oh, this is amazing. Move the bus or something. Wasn't it move the bus? And I kind of, I'm just thinking about demo stuff. And, and then as you move closer in more contemporary times, what about, uh, is it Chip and Joanna Gaines? That guy just loves to demo, right? And here, here's proof that the cat loves the demo. This is, uh, have you seen Chip do this? This is what Pastor Ron is going to do tomorrow right here. So you, you, you may want to come back for a little demo day. How many of you have like remodeled the house or you've taken out a wall or you've moved a closet and you thought, boy, this is a great idea. And then you're like, this is crazy. You, you, you've done that, right? And, but when you think about uh, demolition, right, destroying, moving things, Actually, there's some of this in the scriptures. So, for example, uh, how many of you have read about the walls of Jericho? Kind of a divine demolition, right, back in the day. Uh, They just had to walk around it, and the Lord took care of that. Then you move into the New Testament. You know, there's actually a demo day in the New Testament. And that's what we want to chat about uh, this weekend is is what happens with the demo day pre-chip gains and tie whatever his last name is. There was a demo day in the New Testament. And, and we see this in, in, in Mark chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. And this is kind of the New Testament version of demo day. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. I'm reading out of the ESV. I invite you to follow along with me. And we're going to read about kind of one of those early demo days in the scriptures. The Bible says this, and when he speaking of Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days. It was reported he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Now the ESV translates that a little on the light side. The Greek word carries much more intensity with it. Uh, the Greek word carries this idea to remove, to break through. So, and your translation may reflect that. It may be a little softer, but you get that. There it is. There's the demo, right? Four guys on a roof, and, and they're demoing. They break through the roof, and, and as they break through the roof, make an opening, they let the man down on a bed, where the paralytic lay. Verse 5, And when Jesus sees their faith, he says to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes and were there, and religious leaders, and they're questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that thus they question within themselves, he said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Uh, Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or 
rise, take up your bed, and walk. Verse 10. But that you know that the Son of Man, by the way, Son of Man is a reference to his messianic office. Uh, you can see more of that in Daniel 7:13, where there's a reference here. Jesus refers to himself about 80 times as the Son of Man in the Gospels. Again, it is a messianic title, function, role. So they would have understand that. We see Son of Man, there's some element of connection with humanity. But if you go back to Daniel 7, 13, you will see the depth of what he's saying here. So that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picks up his bed and he, he goes out before them all. So they were all amazed and they glorified God and they were saying, we've never seen anything like this. Duh, you think? This is pretty unusual. Now, this all takes place in a small fishing village on the north side of the Sea of Galilee in a city called Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum had a population probably of around 1,500 people at the time of Jesus. So it, it's a small fishing village. Uh, it was kind of the adopted home of Jesus. Five of his 12 disciples were actually from this area. It is believed that Jesus preached more sermons uh, perform more miracles in, the, in and around Capernaum than anywhere else geographically uh, where he traveled. So this is where all this is happening, north of the Sea of Galilee in the small fishing village of Capernaum. Now the text introduces many topics and subjects, and of course we can't go through all of those, but I want to just kind of look at this four-man demolition team. Right, We have four guys, and, and it is their faith that impresses Jesus. It's their faith. And, and there's some things we see about this faith. I mean, obviously, they, these guys cared for, I don't know if it was their friend. It's likely in a small town of 1,500. You might have grown up in a small town. You kind of know everybody, right? So it's likely they might have been friends. They might have been acquaintances. They might have been neighbor. But they cared about this guy. I mean, they care enough. They care enough to engage, get him on a mat, and take him to this home. So it, it, they, they cared about the guy. Don't you see that? And then they were pretty creative. Once they get to this home, they're like, uh-oh, we got a crowd, right? Standing room only. And the scripture says Jesus is preaching the word. Where? In a home. In a, he's not in the synagogue. He's not in the temple. He's in a home and he's preaching the word. They get there. It's standing room only. They have a sellout crowd and they got to be creative with this, right? So, you know, a first century house, there's likely stairs going up to one side and a flat roof. And that roof would have been made out of mud or par, uh, tar or pitch and kind of just squeezed together. So, so somebody had a creative idea. There's a creative faith here and we're not sure whose home it is. They don't, I'd like to know, all right, whose house is this, right? Some believe it's Peter's. There are others that believe it's Jesus' house. Now, that's a fairly new concept to me. I just ran across that. I'm like, yeah, okay. Likely Peter's house, right? And so these guys go up top. They take their buddy up there. There's four of them, and they get to work. Not sure what kind of tools they had. But they just improvise, and they get creative, and they tear somebody's roof apart, right? And, and somebody's angry. Somebody's like, okay, wait a second. How do you explain this to the insurance man? You're like, here's kind of how this happened, right? But it's creative, right? They, they could have just left the man at the door, said, buddy, we brought you this far. Good luck. 
<laughs> right? No, no, no. These guys are creative, man. They, and they're a little destructive, too. But they're very creative in their faith of how they're going to get this man to the feet of Jesus. And, and then they're pretty courageous at the same time. First of all, I wouldn't be the, one, be the, the, the guy that interrupts Jesus while he's speaking the word. You know what I mean? I don't want to be that guy, and the, they're those guys. But on top of that, it, it, it's a high-risk movement. It, it's deep courage in that, imagine when the guy's being lowered into the room, there's only a couple things that can happen. He's either going to walk out of that room, or somebody's going to have to carry him out. That's a big risk, wouldn't you agree? There's a lot of courageous faith here. So we see the guys, and Jesus is impressed by their faith. This is a significant element in the story because what we begin to see here is, is their faith that facilitated the redemptive work of Jesus in his life. Not their life. The man's life. Their faith. Don't, don't, don't lose this. Their faith facilitated the redemptive work of Jesus in the man's life. Dr. Dan Spader, he mentored me for years uh, through his writings and then personally for a couple years. One of, one of Dr. Spader's mantras was, he, he, he would say something like this, that, that he, he thought that believers really never understood how much that God could do through them if they would walk in faith. In fact, he would say, we, we underestimate what God can do with our lives if we refuse to walk in faith. But here we have four guys tearing a roof off, lowering a man down, and he experiences the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing story? They tore the man's roof off. Peter's like, you got to Venmo me for this, man. You wait, somebody's taking care of this. Jesus is like, I got it. I know, I know people. In the story, Jesus does a couple things in the man's life. First of all, the scripture says in verse 5b, he looks at the man, he says, son, the Greek word is my child, very tender to the man who's in front of him on the mat. Your sins are forgiven. Now think about this. Think about you're one of the four guys, you just ripped off somebody's roof, you've carried the man, you've lowered him, obviously for what reason? Tell me what reason he's there. A healing, right? He, he, they want to see their friend or neighbor, whatever, healed. Can you imagine what they felt when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven? One of them had to say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, no, no. That's not why we brought him here. We, we want to see something else. But isn't it amazing that Jesus began with the man's most pressing need? And it's our most pressing need as well. It's the most pressing need of all humanity is that we receive the forgiveness of sins. It, it, it is man's greatest need. In fact, I believe it's God's greatest miracle still active in the world today. When someone goes from death to life, from darkness to light, to, to separated to a son and daughter of God. And so Jesus begins with the man's spiritual condition. And, and this begins this, this work in the man's life. The, the, the forgiving work of God begins with Jesus' forgiveness of him. There's a passage in 1 John 2, 2, where the scripture says that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, mind you, when Jesus goes into this spiritual forgiveness, the religious leaders, they get a little bristly. Do they not? They say, wait a second. 
This is blasphemy. This is using God's name in, a, in an evil way, if you will. This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. So when Jesus starts there, all of a sudden, we see the religious leaders who are hearing the word, they're just not heeding the word, right? They're hearing what he's saying. They're not heeding what he's saying. And in the moment, Jesus is declaring. He's declaring his deity as the messianic son of God, and he's demonstrating his authority over the power of sin. And there's a whole nother message there, right? A whole nother message. Then Jesus moves on, and we see there in verse 11, Jesus says this to the man. He says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Oh, my goodness. What do you think the man thought when he actually took a step? What do you think he thought? What do you think he felt? Who do you think would be the first people he would run to and say, you're not going to believe this? They're like, yeah, actually we don't. What do you think he felt? What do you think he said? What do you think you ran to? Who do you think he encountered? You ever had maybe an issue, maybe a physical spiritual element or maybe an emotional thing and and god gave you victory over that for, for example we have a friend part of our church here uh was diagnosed with cancer years ago and i remember going to his five-year cancer-free party and man just elated just elated now not all people are set free from that terrible disease it's affected our family probably like it has yours but there's maybe been something in your life and 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 it, it can be like a just a simple sickness, maybe a, a, a flu or cold or something, and, and you're like, and you came out of that, you're like, all right, man, I'm, I'm back in the game. I'm ready to go. Can you imagine a paralytic walking out of a room in front of an audience of people? Can you imagine what he was thinking, saying, where he was headed? Probably Chick-fil-A. That's where I'd go, man. First, I mean, amen? I'm heading to Chick-fil-A. What an amazing story is it true that our faith my faith can facilitate others getting up taking up and walking into the future that God has for them absolutely aren't you fascinated with this story nothing about the man's faith not a word nothing about his faith it's all about the four men Think about that in your own life, your own world, your own relationships. The power of your faith, your, con your, your conviction in who Jesus is, the power of that to actually change the lives around you. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's super significant that our faith, even as weak and feeble as it can be, amen, mustard seed on a good day, mustard seed on a good day, but God will use that. Not just for me, but for those around us. Man, I, I love the story. I love the story. You know why? It's, the story's about one man. Not the masses. One person. Oh, not just one person. One broken person who finds love and healing and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. What a story. One man. 
We always think masses. We think big. It's okay. This is one man, broken, hurting, lonely and longing, and Jesus changes his life. You think he ever forgot what happened? No. <laughs> you think he ever forgot? Absolutely not. Sometimes we forget the work of Jesus in our lives. I do. I forget the redemptive work, the grace, the, the love, the forgiveness that, 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 that I've encountered in him. And, and, and when I forget that and I lose sight of that, that's why the Lord's Supper is so important. That's why Jeff leading us in that conversation is so important. Because now we're remembering, oh yes, he gave his life for me. Oswald Chambers said this, that the degree of hopelessness I have for others comes from never realizing that God has done anything for me. As you remember what God's done for you, it strengthens your faith. It strengthens your faith. Maybe you're here tonight and you're, 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 you identify with the man on the mat. Maybe you're hurting, you're lonely, you feel broken. You feel separated from God. You, 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 you know what he felt and you're longing to be restored. You're longing to be restored to this life that Jesus brings. The great news is Jesus is still in the restorative business. He's still in the re he still does redemptive work. He, he, he's still forgiving us of, of our sinfulness. He, he's still moving us from darkness to light and death to life. He, he's still in the business of transforming lives. And I would encourage you, if you're longing to be restored, you're longing to find forgiveness and grace and hope and peace, come to Jesus. Turn your life over to Jesus. I mean, here's a man who, he didn't have, he couldn't, maybe he could speak, but, but he just lays out, I mean, he, obviously he's going along with the plan. It's kind of a last ditch effort, do you see that? Sometimes that's where the Lord will lead us to before we cry out and reach up. I've been there, I understand. Maybe, maybe you look at the four guys in the store and you're like, okay, man, this week I'm going to be that guy. I want to be that guy. I, I'm going to be the, the, the person of faith. I'm going to be the one that looks around and, and, and I'm going to pay attention to people. I'm going to care for others and I'm going to be creative in how I communicate my faith. And, and I'm just going to step out and be courageous and just do something this week that maybe that's you. You're like, all right, that's who I want to be in the story. We're not going to talk about the religious folks, all right, that's in the story. Let's talk about these guys, four guys. You're like, that's going to be me, man. Here's the thing. Maybe you need to recommit to that in your life, right? Maybe you need to re-examine where you are with, with I want to be that person that cares for others and creatively leads them to, to Jesus Christ and, and courageously builds them up so they can encounter Christ. Maybe you want to be that person. Sometimes here's what you got to do. You got to do a little demo work in your own life, right? You, you got to demo some fear, amen? Say amen. You got to demo some pride. You, 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 you got to demo... Fear and pride, you, you, you got to demo some apathy. You got to demo some, maybe your opinion. You, you, you got to demo some judgment. Go back and, and last week's message was powerful and will help you with that. So to move forward, right, to build people up around you, maybe we need to tear some things down that aren't of God. And, and maybe we need to bring that idea of demolition to some things and some strongholds in our own lives, right? Think about it. I want to be like one of those four guys. Don't you? Four guys. Folks, we don't even know their name. 
<laughs> right? We don't know the name. We don't know the relationship. We don't know how any of this actually played out. We just know about their faith. That's who I want us to be like. Let me ask you tonight, does Jesus see our caring, creative, and courageous faith? Does he see it? The story insinuates he's looking. Does it not? It insinuates he's paying attention to our faith and how we, how we operate and how it's facilitated in the lives of others. Moving a few things around is to make a little more space for others to experience Jesus. That's what, it, that's what this is about. You're like, oh, let's do, let's do big things, and, and I, I'm, hey, I'm all for it. But I'm, ta- I'm looking at a story about one broken man. One broken man, they take off somebody's roof, and they make a little space for him to find and encounter Jesus. And that's what the vision and the goal of what we see happening over the next four to six weeks is just creating a little more space for people to hear the message and come face to face with Jesus. That's what the goal of this, that's the vision of demolition. And mind you, there is no need for us to go through the possibility and the process and the pain and the struggle and the stress of demolition if we aren't committed to helping others experience Jesus. If we can't covet as a church body to say, you know what, it's a great time to recommit my life as a follower of Jesus to share the message. This is a great time. Amen? Individually, collectively. If we're not going to commit to that, folks, I say we just kind of blow it off. Because there's no need. There's no need. Oh, but I think we're committed to it. Amen? I think we're committed to more people in small spaces. Hearing the message and the love and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. I believe we're committed to that. And as a result, we're just going to make a little more space. It's just a little more space. There's really no need to demo in here if we don't take the message out there. Amen? There's no need. So, what's happening in this room? The work, the sweat, the blood, the tears, hopefully no injuries, is to help others find a little more space to meet Jesus Christ. Taking down just a few things. Reconfiguring a small space. It's like the house. That one, two, three, fifty, hundred, five hundred over the coming years will experience the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It's demo day, man. It happens. Let me t- show you a brief picture. If you've not seen just kind of the, the practical side of this. Uh, so, th- th- again, this is what the space is going to look like. When we're completed here, I don't know, four or five weeks. And again, we're just going to work through it, right? We're just going to show up. Honestly, you may have to grab a chair in the back and just set it somewhere and sit on it. I don't know. We're just going to figure it out, okay? This is what the space is going to look like. Uh, Our baptistry, which is there, we're going to make it prominent up here for everybody to see. These two uh, walls... They're, they're going to come down. They'll, they'll, we'll tear those down. This platform comes out. 
Everything eventually is shifted to that wall. You will see on your very right, that's that wall with our uh, platform and stage area, which now gives us a little more space this way and a little more space this way to add more seats in the room. Okay? So that's what it looks like. Uh, and, and most of the stuff that you see up here is at least 14 years old besides me. Look, but most of this stuff is old. I'll be honest with you. We have cans, fall, our, our, our can lighting. We've got stuff falling off. Don't walk under the lighting. It's a hazard, right? Uh, sound system, we've, we, it's duct taped. Uh, it's been prayed over. We've laid hands on it, and it's gotten us this far. If it'll get us another two, three, or four weeks, we will bless it, and the Lord's provided a new system for us. Some new lights. Yeah, we get new lights in here, I'm going to look two years younger. You guys are going to be amazed at how good I look. I'm teasing. But no, and, and, and you know what? It's, we're 14, 15 years with some of this stuff, so we just need to re we're, and, and, and just upgrade that a little bit. But we're not, if you've come here for what, we, we want to do quality gatherings. We want to do quality, God-honoring gatherings. But we are in no wise trying to impress anybody with what we do. The only way we're going to impress people is to magnify Jesus. He's the only impressive thing about us. So we want quality. We want it done well. We don't want distraction with sound, lighting, those types of things. By no means. We want it done well, very well. But our priority is to lift up and magnify Jesus. So all you see here is just a little tweaking. You know, we can't move walls, not without getting in serious trouble. So we're going to do what we can to tweak this space. And then, after we're completed here, we have uh, 2,700 square feet in another location, just a few doors down. Then we'll get started on that project for our students. Architects finalizing the plan of that. We'll be talking to our church about this at our annual meeting. Of course, our church heard this. They know the financial piece of this. They voted to move forward with all of this. So if you're, if you're relatively new, just know that our church approved this, was super excited about it, and now it's going to come to fruition. Uh, but here for the next month or so, just hold on, uh, show up, and, uh, and, and we'll get through it together. I want to just close with our, our vision statement here at Discovery Point, and that's kind of the purpose why we do all of this. It's simply this. Our vision is to serve as an army of passionate kingdom ambassadors, mobilized to pray, care, and share the love of Jesus enabling those within our relational circles to be transformed by the power of Christ and conformed to His image for the glory of God. Who in your world could you carry to Jesus? Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.